July 7th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Sadiq Bet Amud Aleph in the widest lines. There are those intermediary lines and then the widest lines count down three lines. So you're going all the way to the widest lines, counting down three lines and going to the middle of the line. Ve'amar Rabi'il Azar. We have just two last statements of Rabi'il Azar with regards to this a concept which you referred to yesterday a few times, that Da'at concept. And Da'at at its core, of course, we talk about Chokhmah, Bina, and Da'at as all types of intellectual perception and connectedness. Uh, Da'at specifically is that last stage. It's the ability not just to understand, not just to learn, but the ability to apply. That's what Da'at really is. It's the ability to take something that I know or perhaps feel and to find it in, quote, the real world. It's the connectedness of existence. It's for that reason, as we mentioned, the Torah describes Adam and Hava's relations with one another as that's a strange statement, and uh, I don't know, it sounds a little sadistic. Or uh, the, the statement is, is, if you give a person who doesn't have that, an individual who's not able to make those connections and live in the world in such a fashion, pat, you give him from your bread, you'll be tortured or you'll have suffering in life. And of course, by the way, parenthetically, da'at is what we mentioned that children, children in bahim da'at, children might be very wise, they might be very perceptive to have da'at, to have that real world, not even experience, but ability to apply, that's what they don't have, and for many, many matters of halakha, da'at is an operative uh, concept in reality. Anyway, so the statement over here is, if you give the person who doesn't have da'at, you're from your bread, yisurin ba'in ala, before the derasha, I already at the very end of class yesterday mentioned, that in the eyes of the hachamim, uh, da'at is associated with bread. The Gemara and Daf'ayin, if you recall, had this reference of, well, bread being the food that you begin eating when your ability to speak comes forth. As Da'at, from Etz Da'at Rashi, and the Gemara reminded us over there, in the eyes of one of the rabbis, Etz Da'at was, was no tree at all, it was rather wheat. Da'at is associated rabbinically, as was just very important to mention, with bread. Oh, in turn, this statement in the Gemara, Maharsha already tips us off to this point, is now associating da'at and bread appropriately so. But what's the statement in turn? Well, it goes like this. It's, it's an individual who's not able to live in a world of da'at. It's an individual. Let's, for argument's sake, you're dealing, uh, suggest you're dealing with a child, a child who can't live the life of da'at yet, whose experience, whose development, whose maturity is not there yet but you're treating them beyond just as someone who understands. You're propelling them into the real world in an inappropriate fashion, too quickly. Before they have that maturity, that's giving them of your bread uh, when they don't have that. Do you understand? I'm reading this very much allegorically. No, Jesse? Not, not literally. So not literally. Actual bread. Correct. I, I'm, I'm suggesting this is not talking about starving an individual who doesn't have that. It's alternatively talking about giving the dot to a person who doesn't have that. Dot is, is more like one. I'm having a hard time with that one. Dot is... You went to school, you achieved chokhmah. 
you began in uh, post high school and post college, and you had continued studies in Torah and in business and so forth. Bina, you're now able to understand in between the lines how to understand what's going on. Yeah, you made your own interpretations in the Torah because you were taught to do so. In business, you picked up the skills. You were able to see in between the sentences of the seller. You understood what he was saying. Bina. Da'at now is, well, how do I put this all together? Da'at is, how do I close that deal as a result in business? Not only the concept and the idea, not only understanding what's going on, how do I actualize this? I've studied the Torah, I have that hidush, how do I find its applicability to my life? How do I find God in this circumstance, so to speak? That's da'at. Da'at is the challenge. In the Torah, the first mention of Da'at is Tov and Ra for good reason, because Tov and Ra is human existence, right? If I'm dealing with uh, the, the constructs of, the, of, of, of God, I'm talking about Emet and Shek, I'm talking about absolutes. We told that Chokhmah, perhaps, Emet, uh, Bina even. Da'at means, by definition, I'm applying this to my life and to your life. That's why I talk about it as Tov and Ra in the Torah, because now I could talk about good and bad. When I'm talking, what do you think of this? You think it's good or it's bad? That's not an Objective statement. That's subjective. That's human-like. Da'at is very much human capacity and ability. Again, for that reason, Harambam's Hilchot De'ot are about character traits. Character traits are very much the human personality and taking what I know to be true, understanding the world and people around me and applying it. So in turn, yes, I'm reading this very much allegorically, not about um, uh, starving the individual who doesn't have da'at, you should feed your children well and so forth, but rather it's about a person who doesn't have da'at, and we're supposed to live in a world of da'at, but you're treating them with da'at inappropriate. They, they have specific things. deal mamash again, but there are people whose minds don't work in that way. They're not socially... Uh, adapt, they're not able to engage with others. You're going to put them in the room to close the deal? Let them be the mind behind it. Let them uh, work out the metrics and the uh, statistics with regards to what you're selling and how you're bringing this forth. Let them come up with the hidush and then you be the individual who's selling it and explaining it to others. Right? That's the da'at individual, the person who doesn't have it. Da'at here is referring to Hashem's of, but it's, it's all that in my mind. And I, I, I think you're right that when the Hachamim refer to it, they're probably honing and specifically focusing on that of God, but I'm suggesting it's an all. I mean, there's no reason to not apply it beyond. And keep in mind, you know, the Gemara talked about, unless you're reading, I can understand the other way. The Gemara talked yesterday about if you don't have that, if you do have that, so you're it's a certain wealth. Unless you're going to tell me it's because I have the perception of God, so I've been bestowed that present alternatively. That one I read very much in the business sense. If you're living a life of that, not per se in the, I mean, it's all godly, right? But not per se in the finding God, that brings to Oshashene Emar. Here's the derasha. Lachmecha yasimu mazor tahtecha en tevuna bo. Uh, so it's a pasuk which is hard to fully understand as are many of these pesukim that were being doresh. This pasuk from, what is it, Ovadia, and the pasuk talks about your bread, yasimu, should be placed, mazor tahtecha. We'll have to figure out what that word, the Gemara will in a second, mazor means. And then it says, en tevuna bo. There's not the appropriate knowledge. We're going to interchange tevuna and bina. And the derasha goes as follows, en mazor ela yisurin. Our derasha is that the word mazor in this context is a reference to suffering, which is what we said is going to come your way if you're giving the bread of da to the person who doesn't have da'at. Shene'emar vayar Ephraim 
et Heliob Yehuda et Mezoro. This pasuk seems to be equating, uh, it, it makes synonymous Helio and Mezoro, the, the illness and the Mezoro, means Mazor is suffering. And in turn, the Dirashah of the rabbis goes as follows, if Lachmecha Yasimu, if you place your bread to en tivuna, the last words that we read, to a person who doesn't have the tivuna, you want to know what's coming your way? Mazur tahtecha, they're suffering your way. It's taking the words of the pasuk, being doresh them initially, then reconfiguring them, but the message more than anything, I think, is what's ringing true and what they're seeking to set forth for us. It's the appropriateness of engaging with each person. Ve'amar bil'azar, last statement of bil'azar, with regards to that, koladam sheinbo dea, person who doesn't have that dea, lesof gole. Ultimately speaking, they will be exiled. Now, it doesn't per se mean exiled from Israel or from Yerushalayim or from anything of that sort. It describes exile, and that I again understand through the lens and prism that we've been developing thus far. And that is, if that is my ability to attach to reality. If that means I'm not just living in the clouds, but it rather means I'm able to apply what I know with regards to God, with regards to the world, to the world, so I'm now staunchly grounded in any context that I find myself within. If alternatively, I'm out there, I don't have that. I have ideas, I have perceptions, I have uh, perspectives, but I'm not actually attached. Well, then that's galut. I'm now no longer grounded. You can certainly have whatever vision and perspective you want, which is lofty and truthful, but if it's not grounded, you're finding yourself exiled from any staunch and solid grounding. Shene Emar. Is Da'at attainable by everybody, or is Da'at something that's that is something that's developed through life experience with eyes wide open. Anybody is capable of achieving that. Well, the Gemara will say in several places that a shoteh, for example, a person who has cognitive impairments is not a bardat, mm-hmm. right? The Gemara will say that children are not benedat. The Gemara in select places suggests that women don't have dat, even though they have binayetera. That's a psychological evaluation of the rabbis for one reason or another. question is whether that's endemic and existential or not. But aside from those specific... What's that? Okay, but she's talking about her children in that context, don't forget. Right, right. right. So, but, but, but ultimately speaking, the expectation of normal human beings is that they achieve that. And I bring you back to the initial story in the Torah, right? If you ate from Eitz Hadat and you're now living in this world, our expectancy is of you that you develop yourself within this world. Yes, Jeff? The, the, the line of the monastic, you shouldn't have someone who doesn't have it. So now that, what about getting people to religion and all that kind of stuff? To, to develop it, 100%. But are you... Th- you you're going to suffer yourself. That's because you, 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 you're suggesting you're training them. Training them is one oh, thing. I see someone who's in trouble and I... Well, for them, help. That's not that, that. Again, you're reading it too literally. I'm reading it as you're forcing that upon them when they don't know that. You took your, um, your, your underling, you took your, uh, what do you call it, your intern, and you threw them into the, they did all the research, and you threw them into the room to sell the product. Uh, that's that's Yisurin Ba'in Alav. Uh, alternatively, you trained him. 
quote unquote. You took someone who's not connected to godliness and you trained them. That's altogether different. You took them and you threw them in to give the dinner, to give the class is, is inappropriate. That's how I'm reading that line. Yeah, that is also the end result of Muhammad. That will be the last step. stage, which is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That's what I said. The eyes wide open, I was saying, in the experience of the world. You had to, Charles is annoyed that my response to you didn't stress as well that you need to be developing yourself intellectually as well. A hundred percent. Agreed. I still don't get why he's saying it in that sense of if you, if you give it to someone who doesn't have it, you, you can, uh, you're sitting, meaning, why, not, why not say, say it the other way? That you're sitting by in on the guy. Or if you give it to someone who has it, you'll be blessed. Why in the negative? It's, 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 it's coming in the negative, but, but... I think it's a cautionary statement. But, and, and is he saying that, like, like the way you're using the example of the, the, the business meeting? Yes. You, you, you don't know what you're doing. You're putting a little kid. That's right. It's going to be disastrous. You think, no, it's experimental, it's disastrous. Right, so if the guy has no grounding and no ability, hasn't been trained, isn't capable, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Okay, so anyway, uh, what's the Lasof Golesh in Eman? Lachen Gala Mibeli Da'at. So the Pasuk describes Galut, again, we're describing as that groundedness, that ability to attach to something and be staunchly uh, uh, connected to it through that Da'at. Well, without that, lachen gala ame. Now, once we mentioned several statements of Rabbi Lazar, yes, we were describing them in the context of that. We'll now spend the rest of the amu just quoting important statements of Rabbi Lazar, not in per se the halakha strict domain, but rather in the machshava general approach to life domain. Ve'amar Rabbi Lazar kol bayit she'en divrei Torah nishma'in bo balayla. Esh ochalto, any house, any home which doesn't have Torah sounded in it at night, esh ochalto, fire will consume it. That is not to say that uh, homes will be ravaged by fire tomorrow because there's no Torah in them per se. But not to take this one literally, but to understand it for its statement with regards to its depth. First and foremost, what's the concept of night? Why don't you just say any home that doesn't have Torah? preached or heard in it. So the night, as Maharsha points out, is significant. Night is the time we imagine when a person is less busy at work. During the daytime, our expectancy is not that in your home you're sitting and studying Torah. Perhaps the, uh, the individuals uh, amongst us will be, but generally speaking, our assumption is during the daytime, you're working. At night, what's happening then? That's the opportunity to be studying Torah. There's still no Torah. Esh or Chalto, we'll have to talk about that imagery, but that's why night. Maharsha alternatively suggests that the Lashon of the Gemara is Nishma'inbo, it's heard there. Well, nighttime is the time when things are heard. During the daytime, there's traffic, there's noise, there's people and so forth. You hear things best at night. So it's not that there's no Torah during the day. Uh, it's not that we're ignoring the Torah during the day. It's that at night, when the clarity is there, when the, uh, when the, the hustle bustle of the daytime is gone, that's when it should be Nishma'inbo. Harambam in Torah talks about how if a person's seeking and searching for what he calls Kitrashil Torah, Keter Torah, uh, this achievement of the pristine level of study of Torah, it should be done at night. Why is he describing it at night? Because once upon a time, not too long ago, nighttime was the time when there were no distractions. Without electricity, without uh, lights and that sort of matter, what could you or would you do at night? 
to the light of the moon. It was the time when you could be best focused. It's for that reason, as a matter of fact, the poskim discuss, you know, whereas the Gemara in many places extols studying Torah at night, maybe it's just as applicable or more applicable today. Uh, my, my style, um, this is uh, all biased, my style, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, that's the time when the world is most silent. No longer is it most silent at 12, one o'clock. That's when uh, your spouse is still up and maybe your children are still up and the people, and uh, I don't know, you know, whatever. It's the morning hours today, perhaps. But anyway, uh, in truth, that's the statement of the Gemara. What's with the ish or chalto? Again, that's what I'm suggesting. We should be doing, yeah, that's that's 100 percent. That's right. I'd like to fix that. Anyway, uh, what what the, what's with the ish or chalto? Ish fire in the eyes of the rabbis is very much associated with Torah. Yeah, of course. Uh, ish is very much associated with Torah. Ish, the pasuk says in the Navi, halo kodevarai ka ish neum adonai. Fire is associated with the word of God. Fire is associated with godliness in the Torah. It's the ish laila, which precedes the people. It's the ish, which we read in last week's parasha, which consumes the 250 people. Milifne Hashem. It's the ish of the seneha bo'er ba'esh. It's the ish of nadav and avihu, milifne Hashem, and so forth. Fire, in the eyes of the hachamim, and the eyes of the Torah, the way it portrays it to us, we're supposed to envision that as that embodiment of God. It's the way we can tap into godliness, but it's the way in turn, if we're not tapping into it, so to speak, it will consume us. You have an option. You can either take control of that fire or that fire will control you. To be studying Torah appropriately, to be involved in a world of Torah means to be maneuvering and dealing with that fire, seeing it in the world. It's the Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai in Gemara Masechet Shabbat and Lamid Gimal vision. It's where the fire becomes a part and parcel of your personality. Bishimon by Yochai is associated with the book of Zohar, fire, that pristine study of Torah, tapping into godliness. And as a result, the description here is, if, but if you're neglecting that, well, it will find its way to you, so to speak, but it won't be an all too pleasing fashion. It won't be something that you're experiencing as positive. The ish or chalto emar kol tamun litsunav, says the pasuk, tochelehu ish, Lo nupach. Is that how we read that last word? Nupach? Yeah. So the, that, that nupach, uh, uh, but the pasuk is not fully finished yet. Nupach, lenapach, uh, means to blow on something in order to like bring forth the fire. We'll define that in a second. Then the pasuk finishes and it says, Yera sarid be'aholo. And en sarid ela talmit hakam shene'emaru basiridim asher Adonai kore. Uh, period. So the derasha over here is kol choshech. If when it's when it's dark, tamun, and uh, nonetheless it's hidden away, meaning you're not studying Torah, it's not being heard uh, and brought forth. Litzvunav, and uh, you know the safun is something that's that's uh, that's supposed to be uncovered, something that's hidden. That's reference to the Torah. Tochelehu esh. The pasuk says you'll be consumed by fire. Then it says lo nupach. A fire which doesn't need to be blown on, doesn't need to be stoked, says Rashi. That's a reference to the terrible fire, the fire of Gehinom, which is something which is self-sustaining. Yera sarid be'aholo, it'll be bad, evil for the sarid, who's be'aholo in his tent. Who's the sarid? Says the Gemara, Talmit Hakam, a person who's able to study Torah. That's the individual we're talking about. Why is Sarid? Well, we cited a pasuk, Siridim. Why is Sarid a reference to Tamit Hacham? Well, the Torah has Big Serad for the Kohen Gadol. And the word Serad, 
almost like remnant, something that's separated. A kohen, is a sarid, stands apart. So to a talmit hacham, a person who could study Torah, that's the derasha here in the Gemara. Says the Gemara onward, bil'azar, ve'amar bil'azar. This one's going to be a, a, a little bit self-serving if, you know, if we'll expand talmidei hachamim. Kol she'eno mehaneh talmidei hachamim menechasav, eno ro'eh siman beracha la'olam. Person who doesn't give from his possessions to Talmud Hacham uh, won't see Siman um, Beracha, uh, won't see a sign of of, uh, of blessing. All right, it's a little bit of an uh, audacious statement over here. Harambam does cite this from a midrash. The midrash has the pasuk that you're supposed to be the halakhta bidrachav. You're supposed to walk in the ways of God. How do you walk in the ways of God? God is intangible. God is not physical. Instead, the suggestion is walk in the ways of God, mimic the ways of God. How can I mimic the ways of God? I don't actually know who he is. Cling to, support, be associated with those who you most associate with God. That's what we're describing as Talmidei Hachamim. The Gemara elsewhere describes the Pasuk as well. As the Gemara describes how the, there was derashot on every time the Torah has the word et. Et is lerabot, it's termed to include. And so the Gemara describes, but well, what about et Adonai Elohecha Tira? What are you supposed to do with that? Who's that coming to include? Something, someone in addition to God? Fear of God? So the Gemara ultimately speaking says, and Akiva interpreted it as, Talmidei Hachamim, clinging, cleaving to people whom we associate or determine are closest or have perceived and connected themselves to God is appropriate. It will in turn reflect and impact us, right? In other words, that's the vision. It's not per se that you're just supporting and hoping that something will in turn change uh, in some existential fashion. It's alternatively going to influence who you are through that support of them. I will very briefly just tell you the well-known story. It said about 20,000 rabbis, but it's the same point irrespective of who it's about. Uh, the vision sometimes is that if I'm supporting another, well, that in turn is my ticket to Olam Haba. So the story goes as follows, they say, from Rabbi Aaron Cutler, from all sorts of different other rabbis, that an individual comes in contact with the Rosh Yeshiva of some institution and says to them, don't you think, don't you think I'm doing well? I'm supporting your institution. There's a dinner in my honor. Aren't I doing fantastic and the smile or the pained smile of the Rosh Hashiva of the rabbi to that individual is I envy your olam haba the merit or reward you'll have for this support however what about your olam hazeh what's your connectedness what's your perception of God in this world what are your achievements in this life if you're only seeking by supporting the other but not in turn hoping that it'll influence and impact you in this world well, I'm doing a little bit better than you in my connectedness, says this rabbi to the individual, because you're seeking something out of this world, which you might be perceiving, which you might be achieving, but what about this olam hazeh? Anyway, here's Shene Emar, says the pasuk en serid, says the pasuk en serid le'ochlo aken lo yachil tubo en serid ele talmidei hachamim, Shene Emar basaridim asher Hashem kore. All right, so anyway, that's the pasuk in this context. The tob will come forth specifically through the help, the support of the the, um, of the Sarid of the Tamid Hacham. Ve Amar Bil Azar, Kol Sheino Meshayer Pat Al Shulchano Enoro Esiman Berachal La Olam Le Olam. Person who doesn't 
uh, leave remaining on his table after eating, or her table after eating, bread, won't see blessing. Uh, what does that mean? Well, for one of two reasons, generally speaking, we associate with this custom, which is a long-standing custom. I can't say it's yours, but I've seen it, uh, and that is to leave some food on your plate, to leave some food on the table. Either it's a vision of I'm leaving from some, some of my food for the impoverished, for the poor people. As a result, I'm not finishing all my food because I'm reminding myself there's still others to support, which of course will be associated with the last line in the Gemara of Rabbi Lazar of supporting people who could use it. Alternatively, it's a vision of God, you've given me so much, I, uh, I can't even finish all my food. It's a vision of thankfulness to God. One of those two, either the idea of leaving over food because my, my mindset is I'm giving it to others, or alternatively, I'm thankful to you, God. Uh, you gave me so much I have left over. Anyway, so the statement is, but if you don't do so, in oro esiman beracha la'olam, Charles would want this to be positive. If you do it, you get beracha, right? We do it negative. It gets, I've been told many times, if you do fire and brimstone, you impress the people more as opposed to winning them with love. But wait a second, can't we, shouldn't we contradict this statement? Bil Azar himself says the complete opposite. Patit is a reference to a small portion, a, a, a parcel of, of, of uh, a porcel of, what's the word? Of, of bread, uh, crumbs of bread. A person who leaves over from their food, it's as if they're worshipping Avodah So which one is it? Are you supposed to, specifically? Or is it inappropriate and wrongful to leave over of your food? Shineemar, after all, he cites this pasuk uh, for this Avodah Zarah vision. The pasuk says, Ha'orechim lagad shulchan ve'hamimmalaim lamenim mimsach. The pasuk describes how those who are worshipping Avodah Zarah, Yeshayahu says, they are orech, for God, which is an Avodah Zarah, their Shulchan. They set, set up their table for the Avodah Zarah. They set up for the Mini, this other type of Avodah Zarah, Mimsach, some sort of wine, some sort of uh, drink. So wait a second, Bil Azar says, what's that? Indeed, says Jesse already the answer in the Gemara, but before the answer of the Gemara, give me a second to develop the question. So the question is, Bil Azar seems to be contradicting himself. Should I be leaving over food specifically for one of two reasons? Or is it inappropriate and wrong to leave over the food? It's like Avodah Zarah, worship, or approaching that. La Kashya says the Gemara, no contradiction. Hadi Ika Shelema Bahadeh, Hadi Leka Shelema Bahadeh. Ika, yes, there is. Leka, in, there's not. What's Shelema means a complete one. So along the lines of what Jesse said, a little bit fuller, says the Gemara, the differences between whether, I'm explaining based on Rashi, whether I bring as well a full piece of bread, I have my leftover, and I brought a full piece of bread as well, that's inappropriate. To make a statement to yourself and others that I'm leaving over food, I understand that. But you brought food from the kitchen and put it on the table together with that, that's already making me think as if uh, it seems like you're setting this up for another being, for Avodah Zarah. That's wrong. If it's just leftover, okay. If you brought the full food and put it down in order to have it combined with your food on the table, that looks a little pagan. Doesn't that bring up a challenge with having the left, eat all your bread. Indeed, Jesse. Bring the leftover bread. bread. Don't bring bread to the table. Don't the minhag is to leave the bread on the table. Because you have bread on the table, and someone clears the table, don't say bring it back. <laughs> Correct. Correct. For this reason. For this reason. Correct. Doesn't this bring an issue of wasting? 
An interesting question. First and foremost, who said you're not eating it? You're saying begat You say for your next meal. I know we're not really going to do that. I will tell you, not everyone practices this for that reason. Because since the vision and the realization is we're not going to finish it, so we don't necessarily practice it. But the idea being, nonetheless, if I'm not planning on eating it, so call attention to it. But but important question. You're right. We don't. We we would not at the expense of baltashhit fulfill this uh, the, this sort of custom and thought. A person who is mahalif, person who is uh, sly and changes and tricks others with their voice, uh, it's as if they worship Avodah Zarah. What does that mean? Well, listen to the proof first. Not proof, the suggestion. Who said to whom? Yaakov to Ribka about how he's going in to trick his father, Yitzhak. His fear is, if I change my voice, which of course, ultimately speaking, it appears as if it doesn't change his voice because Yitzhak says, I call, call Yaakov. But again, the description apparently in the eyes of the rabbis is that Rivka is encouraging him to even change his voice. He says, I'm going to be a meta'atea. I'm going to be some sort of wayward individual. Uchtivatam, in the pasuk, in the context of Avodah Zarah, says, Hevel ta'atuim. That same lashon, ta'atuim. So the vision is, if you're looking for an opportunity and, and seizing the opportunity to trick others, kilo alved avodah zarah. No, we shouldn't be tricking others. Avodah zarah. What's the association to avodah zarah? At its core, at its base level, as Maharsha points out, if we're envisioning God as the embodiment of truth, if the proper path, if the if the if the uh, straight path is one of emet, and the antithesis of truth and emet is avodah zarah, if, as the rabbis say, hotamoshel hakadosh baruch hu is emet, the signet of God. His very definition is truth. Well, then if I'm doing something that's the antithesis, the opposite of truth, well, then I'm going in the opposite direction. That's what we describe as Avodah Zarah. doesn't mean you get put to death as if you're... No, it's Ki'ilu Oved Avodah Zarah. You're off the straight path of truth. You're on the path of wrongful, tricky, sly, falsity. Avodah Zarah. Ve'amar bilazar kola mistakil be'irva as the Pasuk says uh, here in, uh, what is this, Sefer Habakuk, as a Pasuk, What's this a reference to? A person who looks at Irva, Irva refers to nakedness. The assumption is, amongst the, the, the Rashi and others, we're dealing with a woman's private part. If a man is to look at a woman's private part, uh, what is, uh, so to speak, the uh, consequence? Kashtonin Erit. Kashtor, as she explains, in one of two ways. Either it's a reference to your arm, or alternatively, it's a reference to your, your private part, and the ability to conceive, and the ability to have an erection. Says the Gemara, that is weakened. Either your arm, your actual strength, or your strength in a sexual fashion. Uh, what's the midah keneged midah? If you're inappropriately entering into another person's domain, if you're looking in places that you shouldn't be looking, well, in turn, your own strength, so to speak, your own private ability is diminished. That's the vision. Is this a uh, tested uh, scientific reality? Certainly not. Is it meant to be taken in such a fashion? I would personally suggest not. It's more a cautionary statement. It's a statement of if you've gone beyond your domain, well, perhaps your own domain will be diminished 
diminished in turn. You should always be modest and pious and uh, and, and uh, introverted in your in your exposure of your own abilities and disabilities. And in turn, kayam that will give you a certain uh, a certain uh, endurance. Which means to say, by not exposing yourself to others, I don't mean physically, I mean in terms of your personality, having a certain modest personality, that brings forth, generally speaking, a kiyum. Uh, why so? People are less interested in catching you in circumstances where you're, uh, and we all are, where you're inconsistent. If instead I'm constantly talking about my virtue, if I'm always describing what I stand for and who I am, in the moments where I'm inconsistent, everybody notices it. If alternatively I've kept it to myself, nobody's looking for it, my uh, endurance, my ability to keep myself uh, afoot is much more strengthened. Says the Gemara, a fascinating proof for this. Amar bizera afanana metanina. Rabbi Zera says the truth is we have a beraita, we have a Mishnah rather, that accords with this. Now generally, nine times, 99 times out of 100 when the Gemara does an afanana metanina, it's a direct corollary. You told me a halacha, I have a beraita or a Mishnah which accords to it. Listen to the proof and in turn understand what we're supposed to be doing in my mind in Gemara. Here's the halacha in the context of a bait menuga. Bait menuga refers to a home which becomes afflicted with a sarat, a plague of sorts. Now the halacha is you go to the home and you search the walls and you check the color of that growth. We're dealing with a physical growth on the walls. What if the home is afel? It doesn't have windows. And the halacha, the Torah says you need to see the nega. Uh, but you can't because the walls have window, don't have any windows. There's no lights and you just can't make out easily what the walls actually look like. What's the halacha? Perhaps I should bang open some windows in order to have a better vision in the house. Maybe I bring in something, the halakha is en potchin, you don't open windows, why not? The halakha is if you can't make out the proper color, because there are no windows, so then there's no, there's no tumah uh, appropriate in such a fact. Are you kidding me? Why not? The suggestion of Rabbi Zera is that describes a personality, that describes a character trait that we're supposed to have. If we're closed, well, we're not then forced to open it. The vision here of Rabbi Zera is one of Gemarat methodology 101, as I always say. It's taking a, a sterile, a static halacha. It's in the context of bayit menuga. What relevance does that have to me and you ever, certainly today? How am I going to appreciate sarat in the context of my life today? Says Rabbi Zera afanana metaninan. We'll look at that halacha and we'll in turn derive an understanding for our lives. Look at that halacha. You see, since the house is closed off, we don't in turn inspect it carefully. A person who in turn is kavil, keeping things to themselves instead of exposing themselves, we're not going to be searching them and looking for those inconsistencies to catch them and take them down. Amar bitavi, says the Gemara, oh, let's call it over here. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.